0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, season 2021, episode nine. Blind optimism, not too much practicality, and a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. That's today's episode title long enough for you as we hit the record button today coming to you from Dallas Fort Worth Texas still a rainy Dallas Fort Worth Texas feels like it's been raining for a year June the 1st 2021 we've made it to summer Kids are out of school. Most of them around here got out of school last week, so there's that. Things are well, at least with me and mine. I hope they are with you and yours as well. On Saturday, May the 29th, yeah, this past Saturday, I watched a suggested YouTube video. I'd never seen this thing before. It was produced in 2014. It was an award-winning documentary entitled Restrung. Restrung. I guess I've watched so many guitar videos that the YouTube algorithm, it just, you know, it suggests constantly it suggests these things pertaining to music and guitars. So of course I watched it. Here's how the YouTube description. is stated on the video he had always considered making guitars a passion not an occupation in 2007 randall win Fulmer, an ordinary guy with a cat decided to turn his lifelong hobby into a full-out obsession to launch his adventure he did what anyone else would do he quit his high-paying job dream job at disney leaving behind a successful 20-year career of creating major motion pictures such as chicken little and the emperor's new groove seemed to make so much sense at the time with disney in the rearview mirror he launched his self-proclaimed mad plan crafting small batch bass guitars full-time from a beginner's electrifying success to near breakdown this is a beautiful honest and inspirational portrait of a passionate craftsperson who walked headlong into a foolhardy dream. A true tale of a life unwound and restrung. And I got to tell you, it was compelling. I'm going to link it up. In fact, I'm going to embed it here in the show notes. Not sure how long it is, but it's worth a watch. And you don't have to be into guitars to watch it. In fact, you can also check out Randall's website. It's win with one N W Y N guitars.com. And if you watch the documentary, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that you're going to be motivated to cheer for his success, for his continued success and more. And a little over one minute into the documentary, Randall, says this phrase that serves as the title for today's show. Blind optimism, not too much practicality, and a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. He had figured out. Now, he had a 20-year career successful at Disney Studios, but he had figured out what he believed were the ingredients for success. And there they were. I'm not going to spoil the documentary for you, but I will tell you that it's not a story of a man who ditched a successful career over at Disney only to experience this hockey stick growth curve toward success and achievement. No, 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 no. His life is a life of ups and downs. Well, just like all the rest of us watching his journey. It, it kind of made his quote more powerful for me as I watched it unfold. Now, Only days earlier, that was on Saturday, today is Tuesday, Monday here in America was Memorial Day, so it was a holiday, and a few days before Saturday, when I watched this documentary, I had posted unprovoked, I say unprovoked, I don't know what provoked it, I had created a little graphic that I posted in social media under my growgreat.com banner, the work stuff, What we all need in order to achieve more, dot, 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 determination, resilience, stamina. I'll I'll put that in the show notes as well so you can see what that graphic looks like. What we all need in order to achieve more, determination, resilience, stamina. I suppose the earliest observers of success and achievement, they figured out that that was true. I mean, the refusal to quit covers a multitude of weaknesses. One of the best quotes is from Babe Ruth. You just can't beat the person who never gives up. Maybe you can, but it's extremely hard. Angela Duckworth, she is a Wharton professor at the University of Pennsylvania who wrote a book entitled Grit, subtitled The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Don't worry about writing that down. Just go to the website, leaning toward com, and find season 2021 episode nine. I'll put a link. It likely is an affiliate link. I'm not sure, but I have, I have the disclaimer all over the website. Just assume that if there's a link at leaning toward wisdom, it is an affiliate, which means I'll earn a few pennies and it won't cost you anything. But she wrote a book called grit, the power of passion and perseverance. In fact, she did a Ted, a Ted or a Ted X talk about it. You can find out more about her. She's a big shot, smarty pants. I mean, here we've got this old time baseball player, Babe Ruth. We've got this brainiac in modern day, current peer, contemporary Angela Duckworth and many people in between, and I'm sure many people before and many people after who say, you know, sticking with it, sticking with it can pay off this much. We know to be, be true. If you do quit, well, you're never going to achieve whatever you're chasing. Just because you don't quit does not ensure success, but you can't succeed without it. Randall, Randall, the guitar maker, he stated it differently. And I was immediately taken by how he phrased his beliefs, how he voiced these beliefs that he's got about the requirements of achievement, especially when you're pursuing something creative. And that had always been the case for him because, well, come on. He had worked at Disney for 20 years. Creativity was kind of his thing. And like building guitars, I wondered, I wondered how his Disney experience, his Disney career influenced that wording. And his point of view, he had experience. He talks about it in the documentary. He had this experience of collaborating with lots and lots and lots and lots of people at Disney, sometimes too many, right? Too many cooks in the kitchen kind of a thing. So he was used to collaboration and I was listening more intently. He's really credible. He seemed humbly vulnerable. I mean, he's letting the cameras and the microphones capture things that many business people would not. He's not just trying to have this Instagram moment. It's not politically correct, but I still use it because people instantly understand what you mean by it. He's kind of willing to show us his underwear, right? He's willing to be vulnerable, not literally sharing things that he really doesn't have to share. But in doing that, boy, it's helpful. It really is helpful because we're able to learn. We're able to better understand his journey. Based on the volume of books and the courses that copywriters learned decades ago, people are attracted to formulas and secrets and blueprints for success. If you don't believe me, just Google it. I mean while chasing success all of us i suspect all of us including myself we are tempted to believe these people at the top of the mountain they know something i don't know they're bound to know more than i know cuz if cuz if i knew it well surely i'd i'd be higher up the mountain i wouldn't be down here at base camp surely somebody's got the secret somebody's got the formula somebody's got the blueprint and then all of the charlatans, they emerge posing as these gurus. And we don't, we don't know who's genuine. We don't know who it forget. Deep fakes, shallow fakes work. How do you know? You seen this Facebook thing? I know you have, if you spend any time over there and I, I'm like a seagull when it comes to Facebook, you know, I fly in and then I fly back out. Yes. There is something that happens in between um, people constantly are posting. It works. It works. Copy and paste this. I'm, I'm, I've, I've not been seeing anything more than 25 of my friends. And I, I never believed that this was true, but I copied and pasted it. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. And now I I'm seeing, it's like a whole new brand new Facebook for me. That's been really popular in the last week. And no matter how many people Tell these people, no matter how many people link in the comments to these websites that disprove, no, it's not true. You can copy and paste anything you want in Facebook. It is not going to change one thing about the algorithm of Facebook. But ah, people believe what they want to believe. And how can you know if it's true or not? And then there's the whole conspiracy theorist about most anything. I mean, come on. I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. We may be ground zero for one of the biggest conspiracy theories on the planet, and that's the assassination of JFK. Did Oswald act alone? I don't know. I mean, you know. So for us to think that we can easily spot a charlatan, eh, some you can, but I don't know. Some are awfully good. <laughs> they they're, they're craftsmen. They're craftsmen. Truth is it's hard to know who's genuine. It's hard to know who isn't. And it's especially hard when people are desperate and many people are desperate. They're desperate to find a path forward. They're desperate to live the life of their dreams. They're desperate to achieve greater success. And so people read, they follow, they consume, they buy whatever many of these people are selling. Oftentimes only to be disappointed and to realize, well, that they didn't have a secret. They didn't have a formula. They didn't have a blueprint for success, but they charged a hefty fee. And I'm no closer to my dreams than I was before, except I'm just my bank. My bank accounts a lot lower. Randall knows why that is what's being sold. And you and I, Intellectually, emotionally, we may not, but intellectually, we know the path to riches is not to pay some charlatan three grand, pick a number. I mean, if we listen to what he said, the ingredients that he determined were most needed for him to reach his goal of building a successful guitar business, blind optimism, not too much practicality, and a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. Fresh from the creative school of Hard Knocks, I have developed my own reality of what I think it takes to produce something great. It takes blind optimism, not too much practicality, and a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. It's a lot like climbing in a small boat to sail around the world. Once you're out on the high seas, you are committed. If you don't completely box yourself in, you really run the risk that at some point, common sense is going to enter the picture and it will defeat your mad plan. And we're going to break this down. That was the man himself. Here's the thing. If Randall were to write a book and he were to base it on these beliefs, these notions that he's got, And nobody's, nobody's buying that book. I don't mean, nobody's going to buy that book. People aren't going to pay hundreds of dollars. They're not going to pay thousands of dollars for an online course about these things, because these are, these things, this all, this sounds hard, blind optimism, not too much practicality, a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. And we're like trying to build this boat while we're already out on the ocean please give me secrets. Give me formulas. Give me blueprints. Cause that doesn't sound very hard. That sounds like something that you just hand it to me. Great. Great. You know what this means? You did the hard work. So I don't have to. Okay. Well that makes sense in my, in my head emotionally. So I'm going to pay you for that. Listen, it, I heard there's this female marketer That I followed, not for her content, but to watch how she markets. So this, uh, yeah, go figure an attractive female marketer. And she has a multi thousand dollar course. I didn't know there's no pricing, but I've done enough research and it seems that about six grand is about what she sells this thing for. She calls it, it's literally, this is her quote, it's literally a business in a box. Well, that inspires people to invest, I'm told, 6,000 bucks because there are plenty of people who are desperate to have somebody make it easy for them because, well, clearly hard doesn't work because they've been doing that. She makes the promise and people willingly buy. Yeah, but this isn't about internet marketing ploys, it's not about fake promises, it's about Randall's brilliant insight. It's about what he stated he believed he needed to achieve success. Is he is there the implication that maybe we too should do this? Maybe, but he's not he's not preaching, he's not evangel he's just telling us his story. And I'm attracted to that because, well, it's largely what we do here at Leaning Toward Wisdom. It's what I do. It's what I do in just about everything, just sharing some experiences and some insights. Even clients who put me on the spot and say, well, what would you do? I will reluctantly with kind of this big footnote say, well, here's what I would do, but keep in mind, I'm me and i've got a i've got a certain approach, a certain communication style, a certain vocabulary, a certain point of view that you may not have. So don't do what i would do, but if it helps you and maybe you can distill from it what might work for you. Here's what i would do. It's helpful. It's helpful. Randall's insight is helpful. His beliefs about what it would take for him to embark on this brand new business building adventure To build bass guitars, custom made, one of a kind bass guitars. He doesn't, he's not just building Model X over and over and over and over. He has no Model X. Every model, every single guitar is unique, custom, and made custom for a particular individual. And they're all sold. I mean, they're all, they've all got deposits on them before he bills them. So he's not a factory in that regard. It's much more of a one-off craftsmanship kind of a thing. Hard work, a lot of hard work, arduous. It's not a secret. It's not a formula. It's not a blueprint. It requires that grit and determination and stamina that, well, so many observers and professional researchers, I might add, have concluded are required if we're going to become a high achiever. Now, you might be inclined to critique or to edit his wording, but let's don't do that, right? Let's don't get ticky-tacky. I mean, for instance, I could put forth a conversation. I'm not going to, but I could. Blind optimism. Okay, well, is it really blind I mean, is it based on nothing? No. I mean, it's not without some evidence. It's not without some purposeful or intentional point of view. And it's not just random. I mean, we choose our optimism based on something, mostly on what we want. But there is a basis to, well, let's just go with it because we know how Randall meant it. And frankly, that's going to be easier for you to do after you watch the documentary and you see this man's devotion to the craft. That alone makes the makes the video worth watching. Blind optimism. This is the first thing he mentions. Blind optimism. Choosing to think the best rather than the worst. Well, right out of the gate, Randall, you've hit us with something that is incredibly hard for a lot of folks. Harder for some than others. You're called into the boss's office. What are you thinking? Immediately, what are you thinking? Great going to get a raise Mm -hmm. or, oh man, what have I done? What have I done? I'm in trouble. Yeah. We're thinking I'm in trouble. It reminds me of that old old joke. I had to, I had to Google it and look it up. Worried that their son was too optimistic. The parents of a little boy took him to a psychiatrist in an attempt to dampen the boy's spirits. The psychiatrist showed him into a room piled high with nothing but horse manure. Instead of displaying distaste, the little boy clambered to the top of the pile, began digging. What are you doing? Psychiatrist asked. With all this manure, the little boy replied, beaming, there must be a pony in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of us aren't. We're not that optimistic. When it comes to your own achievement, when it comes to your own individual pursuit of your own success, what is the downside of optimism? Overall, I don't see much downside to being an optimistic person. And for years, the only kickback that I've gotten is, well, you'll be disappointed. And my retort is always the same. Well, you're going to be disappointed anyway. Well, but you could be more disappointed. You know what? I mean, my disappointment knows the depths of my disappointment are limitless. <laughs> That sounds optimistic, doesn't it? There are some downsides, though. There are some downsides when it comes to personal, individual, me thinking about myself optimism. That is the optimism that I may hold about myself and my abilities. And that is a bit more precise than the overall optimism that Randall was talking about, but it's worth, it's worth a conversation here. We all know people who are not nearly as terrific as they think they are. We know people full of themselves. Oh yeah, they're overly optimistic. Yes, I think there is such a thing when it comes to this context. They are overly optimistic about themselves. They think more highly of themselves than they really ought to think. They are self-centered. They are self-focused. They are self-absorbed. Life is all about them. No, this is not good. The downside Well, I realize podcasts don't have time limits, but my voice does and my interest does. And so does yours. And I just really don't want to spend a ton of time talking about why, why that's a bad way to live. It's a bad way to live thinking that you're all that. And then some, and that you're the center of the universe, mostly because I live and work with one notion and one point of view. And it's one that I don't always get it right. Right. I do not always get this right, but I know that I should. And when I slip, I know I need to give it greater effort. And the one phrase that I use to express it is very simple and very concise. A focus on others. A focus on others. People who are that optimistic about themselves and their own talents have no focus on others. Or at best, a limited focus on others. No, I don't think that's a good way to live. It's a personal viewpoint. You don't have to share it. But if you listen to this podcast, you likely do share it. I choose to embrace it, go with it. And yes, it absolutely has caused me at various moments in my life to question myself and to think less of myself than is probably healthy. I freely admit it. And I'm by nature really self-deprecating. And people think, oh, well, that's just, no, it's not a ploy. It's not a tactic. It's rather genuine. And at the same time, here's the paradox of it. I can be fairly confident. I I don't know. I can't explain it. I can feel like I'm, man, I am so not all that. And then some, and yet at the same time, I can have confidence about my ability to be not all that and then some and still move forward. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. I think we've all got this tug of war. Of, of some sort, that's kind of sort of mine. You know, I've got to wrangle sometimes. I've got to wrestle sometimes. I've got to wrestle this thing to the ground, and I have to question myself at times. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I don't win the wrestle match. Sometimes I get pinned to the ground, and I have to cry uncle before I'm I'm let up. But so it goes, and you you have the exact same experiences. But is optimism, even if it is self-focused, is it a bad thing? Well, my answer to that would be, yes, it is a bad thing when it makes us delusional about the reality of our situation, our circumstances, our limitations, our weaknesses. And sadly, some folks think that optimism is literally blind – because we just ignore any reality. We ignore any evidence. Well, that's foolishness. You don't believe me? You ever seen a drunk person? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Not seen reality, completely detached from reality. You ever wonder why people can, can go from one way of living to another way of living And the carnage and the cost and the penalty and the consequences. Be completely ignored and like, I mean, watch any episode of intervention and you'll see it and it doesn't take drugs and alcohol to do it. It just takes self-will. It just takes arrogance and pompousness and self-centeredness and an inability an unwillingness is more accurate to even think about other people and that'll do it. Now that's not, that's not the kind of optimism that Randall's talking about. That's foolishness over the weekend. Singer BJ Thomas died stage four lung cancer. He lived here in Dallas, Fort Worth. He lived in Arlington, Texas, Hugo, Oklahoma's own but he was raised in Houston. He was 78 years old. Optimism wouldn't prevent him. It couldn't prevent him from dying from lung cancer. I mean, I hope he was optimistic, but how many cancer patients do you see, especially those of notoriety and even those that we know personally, but the world doesn't necessarily know them. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to think pot. Well, BJ's reality was that he had stage four lung cancer. There's your reality and it killed him. Believing the best. I'm all for it. Why not? But thinking you're going to overcome it. Okay. Now you're not being helpful. I would rather choose to think, and I have no way of knowing, I would rather choose to think that he embraced a different kind of optimism during his final days an optimism that I hope I hope for his sake and his family's sake that helped him make the most of whatever time he had left, but that's optimism. You don't have to be optimistic that a terminally, a terminally ill, a terminal illness diagnosis is going to result in you being so optimistic that you're going to overcome it. Optimism can look like something different at the beginning of 2020. I lost an incredibly close friend, lifelong mentor named Ronnie and he knew he was dying and he knew he was going to die, but he was optimistic. Now, granted, he was optimistic mostly because of his faith and the way that he had lived his life based on that faith, but he was also optimistic when it came to trying to do what was right by his family and relationships and people. You know, you see the delusion that people experience when they think more highly of themselves than they should, and you see it in, well, you see it in the older man who tries to be physically alongside those folks that are 20 years younger. I mean, whether it's a game of backyard football or whether it's climbing the roof to clean the gutters, just Google. I didn't do this, but Google how many stories you see of older aging men who die that way some Green Bay Packer who I grew up admiring. I can't recall who I remember when it happened though. I should have Googled this and put this and put this in the show notes, but I didn't climbed on the roof springtime, summer clean the gutters or something fell died hard, right? It's hard to accept the reality of our, our limitations. It can be hard as we grow older. I turned 64 in the month of May. It's very different than 24. It's different than 44. It's even different than 54, right? We, we kind of need to be like Harry Callahan, AKA dirty Harry man's got to know his limitations. That can be hard to do though. If you're going to be optimistic about how great and grand you are and you're not going to face the reality, you are not, you're not a young pup anymore. I've been watching the NFL and HL playoffs, hockey playoffs. And Patrick Sharp is Sharpie is his nickname. You know, every hockey player has got to have a nickname. And Sharpie is like 39. And Catherine Tappan of NBC Sports Network is constantly telling him and reminding him as, as they're watching some of these older players who are still playing in the league. Like, you know, man, you could still be out there. And he's like, no, no, I'm happy right here. Now there's a guy who's optimistic but who knows his limitations. He's happy to be in the studio doing what he's doing. And he's not moaning and groaning about it. He just, yeah, this is where he needs to be. So he's not deluded no matter how hard, no matter how harsh the reality, knowing it and accepting it, that's vastly better than not knowing and not accepting the truth, the truth. And there's the rub. The truth is the rub. A video was published on YouTube produced by the art of improvement. Yeah, I'll embed this too. In fact, it was produced. I think it was produced just yesterday. I think it was published just yesterday. I, I don't know. Again, this popped up in, you know, suggested videos. So I clicked on it, the art of improvement. That's the YouTube channel. This video is entitled to have the great life you deserve. Do these six things. It's four and a half minutes long. And it, it typifies the messages that we hear every day. I don't mean just on YouTube. I just mean in modern culture. Here are their six. One, believe you are worthy. Two, the universe is your ATM, but only if you make great deposits often. Number three, create time to think and dream. Number four, minimize the toxic input. Number five, get off the couch and act. And number six, know who the real judge is. Don't worry about what other people think. There is a great infograph that is the thumbnail or the screenshot of this particular video. It's well done. Number one, believe you're worthy. Eh, You know, believe you're worthy might be better replaced with be worthy, right? Be a good human, behave wisely. Don't behave selfishly. That might be a better rule. The universe. Okay. The universe is not your ATM. I'm sorry it is much less about making deposits and withdrawals as it is about you reap what you sow. Go back and look at number one, be a good human first act in ways that are honorable act in ways that are right. It's a better route to go. It won't guarantee that you'll never be mistreated. It certainly won't guarantee that the universe will bend to your will because that's never going to happen, but your mind, your mind can bend to your will, and that will drive how you act. That will drive how you behave because guess what? You, not the universe are responsible for your actions. Number three, you know, creating time to think and dream that's necessary because well, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We tend to be what we think about because our thoughts drive our choices, our actions, our decisions, but again, it really is all about reaping what you sow. It's always true. Number 4, minimize the toxic input, agreed. That includes people and situations. Now, I don't know how they define toxic. I would define toxic as things that are harmful to your growth and improvement. But that's not how everybody looks at it. I I view toxic as that. I view toxic also as circumstances or people that don't help us become or be our very best. But so many people view toxicity as, well, they, they don't approve of what I'm doing. They disagree with me. You know, well, if you want to be a drunk, if you want to be a drug addict, if you want to be whatever of that ilk, then you can think, well, the toxic people, these are the people that want to, keep me sober. They're toxic because I don't want to be sober. Okay. Well, you're not seeing reality and that's a problem and look in the mirror because you are the problem. Number five, get off the couch and act true enough, true enough thinking and dreaming. They're terrific activities. I love it, but the world is filled with good intentions. The power is in the doing. So do something number six, know who the real judge is. Well, that implies. In fact, the video states that, well, that's you. Yeah. Okay. Kind of sorta in the sense that you get to make up your own mind. It's absolutely true. I happen to believe that God is the final judge and I would suggest that you don't leave God out of things. You can, you can. But the context of the video is dealing with critics, and in that regard, I don't disagree. We all have to silence the unfair, unsafe critics, those people that don't want and they don't care about our best. They just, you live in a glass house. I happen to have a nice bag of rocks here. My point, though, is that this kind of advice, it permeates our culture today. It is everywhere. It is pervasive. And it always has the the same theme. This is what worries me the most, to be honest with you. And I'm always honest with you. Be your own God. There's the problem. Be your own God. Forget everybody else. Expect the world to bend to your strongest desire so that you can get what you deserve, what you want. Now, let me tell you. It is likely a great thing, a very great thing that we don't get what we deserve. (laughs) Mostly we get much better than we likely deserve. Take control of your own success. It's another social media headline. I saw it Sunday. Take control of your own success. Now, those of you in the audience who blog, and I know that there are more than a podcaster or two who listen to the show, do you ever take off in pursuit of a particular idea or a line of thought and suddenly, suddenly it's kind of like you, you bought the yellow car and now you notice all the yellow cars on the road. Well, that happened to me within the last 24 hours. 48 hours for sure, which honestly, I don't think are that much different than any other 24 or 48 hour period. I could be wrong, but I have noticed a barrage of cultural notions about success that a designed to market or sell something and B to extol this idea. You, you are in full control. You're God. God. I've been guilty of saying it myself if it is to be it's up to me. Now, I I'm using it and I'm thinking of it in the context of self-accountability, being responsible. But we left that behind in the rearview mirror a million miles ago. Now it's about be your own god. Be your own god. Now don't get me wrong. We need to do, and we need to pursue all we can. And yes, that means that we should improve, we should grow, and we should pursue those things. And we absolutely should pursue transformation, which is all growth and improvement mean. I'm all in favor. I, I've, I've said it repeatedly. In fact, I, I own the URL I may own more than one URL related to this. Theidealoutcome.com. It just takes you to my grow great podcast and website. I'm all in favor of that. I encourage my 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 clients every week write down, spend some time thinking about what is the what's what's the ideal outcome with this. Be intentional about what you want and be intentional about why you want it. Now, no, the ideal outcome is never this win the Powerball lottery kind of a thing. We, we don't want to, nor can we rely on random chance. I mean, otherwise we're just going to be sitting around waiting for the publisher clearinghouse van to pull up in front of our yard and bring us that bouquet of flowers and that six foot long check. Probably not a, The most productive way to spend your days. Oh, I listen. I go out and I, I glance at the front yard every now and again to see if the van's pulling up, but I don't spend all my time doing that. Usefulness, value, benefiting other people, making a positive difference in a word. It's how I define leadership. There's only one word I use to define leadership influence period. These are the things that matter. It's how to spend a good day, do something worthwhile. After that, of course, we do hope that serendipity, we hope that time, we hope that chance can work and will work to our advantage. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But either way, we're doing something to value ourselves, to value our family, to value others. Randall says not too much practicality. I think he's on to something here. Figuring out that balance between practical and not just too practical. That might be a that might be one of the tougher challenges. Because if you're too practical then you're not likely pushing, you're not likely challenging yourself enough, but if you're too impractical Okay, well, now you run the risk of just being disconnected from reality. Now you're just delusional. And then there's the reality that innovation, growth, and change, they happen when we let go of trying to be too practical. But it's also why the critics, man, they come out of the woodwork when you're trying to create something new. And that includes something that, well, that includes a newer, better version of yourself. Don't believe me? Give it a go. Yeah, give it a go. Give it a try to improve some area of your life, some area that can be seen. And you'll get critics. I can promise you, you will get critics. Years ago, I laughed at a cartoon that showed two gorillas. I tried to find it and I couldn't find it. I thought it was a Far Side, but man, all the searching I did—if it—if it would have been a Far Side cartoon, I it. I, surely it would have shown up, and it still could be. I, I didn't spend hours on it, but I did. Sp- I probably spent a good 15 minutes, which, you know, when you're doing Google searches, that's plenty of time. But it's a cartoon that there were two gorillas, one's on all fours, and the other, he's walking upright, and his buddy on all fours says, Stop that, you'll hurt yourself. And so it goes with our efforts to do something different, something that might be creative, something that might be innovative, something that might even be beneficial for us, Dallas, Texas is own he's passed on since, but Zig Ziglar is quoted as having said, don't be distracted by criticism. Remember the only taste of success. Some people have is when they take a bite out of you, Uh right? Hey, there's a reason the man was the number one motivational speaker for a long, long time. I mean, Zig may have, he may have put motivational in the descriptor of motivational speaker. Dale Carnegie said, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain. And most fools do. The past dozen years or so of coaching executives and business owners, as well as city government leaders, has proven to me that, and these are all high achievers. I've gotten in the habit the last number of years of telling clients and even potential clients, I don't do remedial work because I've yet to have a client pay me, issue me a purchase order to help somebody out the door. (laughs) I mean, nobody pays for that. It's funny how that works. What they do is they pay to have a high performer perform just a little bit higher because it's a needle mover. And they'll write POs and checks for that. It has proven to me, the work has proven to me that these people, these high achievers, they crave, they genuinely crave being challenged to grow and to improve, they really thrive on it. And sadly, many of them have not, they just haven't found somebody who's capable of doing that while at the same time, making them feel safe. And this is where I come in. My clients know because I'm disconnected. I don't work for them. I'm not in the organization. They're not beholden to me. I'm not beholden to them. They know that the only reason I'm there, I'm only there for one reason, them. Them. I'm just there to help them be their very best. I've got no other agenda, stated or implied. No secret goals. They are in control of their lives to the degree that any of us are they establish their objectives. I don't. I just want to work them to help it figure it out more quickly so that they can kind of accelerate as they're able to navigate whatever it is they need to navigate in their life. And much of the work is helping them see beyond what is merely practical to see, what is merely practical to believe in, to see some things that before they couldn't see. In fact, at some point, You've likely seen this graphic. I'll put it over at the show notes. I began to use this graphic, and I would hold this up to clients, and I would say, look at this and tell me what you see. And most of them would say, I see a young woman. And I would say, do you see anything else? Many times they say, no, I see a young woman. And I tell them, well, keep looking at it. And they'll keep looking at it. Seconds go by, which seem like minutes, and instead of having them languish, if they don't see it, and hardly ever do they, I'll give them a hint, and I'll say, okay, look at the young woman's jawline. That jawline of the young woman is the nose of an old woman. Do you see her? Now, some, within seconds, oh, yeah, 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 I see her, I see her. Many of them don't though. Many of them stare at it for more than a few seconds before they see it. And some, I have to say, okay, here's where her mouth is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's where her eye is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. And now they see a young woman and they can also see an old woman. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? What seemed impossible before, impractical, well, that's not impractical at all. There she is. I see her plain as day. I'm sitting here looking at her. Hence my favorite quote Everything is hard until it's easy. Seeing the young woman in this instance is practical, seeing the old woman, less practical. You might need to be less practical when it comes to your own pursuits and whatever you're hoping to accomplish. Now, you need to make a note. I am talking about being impractical in life. I'm talking about being impractical when it comes to pursuing what you're trying to chase. Randall's trying to build, he's trying to build the best bass guitars he can build. I'm not talking about being impractical when it comes to things like, well, your marriage, your finances, I mean, we're not talking about leaning into selfishness or foolishness. No, we're leaning toward wisdom. Come on, that's the title of the podcast. Stick with me here. (laughs) We want to challenge ourselves to achieve never-before-realized positive accomplishments. Ah, but then Randall says, a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. Now, some have described this as a burn-the-boats strategy. It's taken from a mythical story. We don't know if it's true or not. I have been all my life highly suspicious of this, but this is what the internet has to say about it. In 1519, Captain Cortez landed in Veracruz to begin his great conquest. Upon arriving, he reportedly gave an order to his men to burn the ships in which they arrived in. I don't think that last N is needed there. He says, just being critical of grammar. Mm -hmm. I don't think it happened myself, but uh, it makes a great story. The point, well, the point is we're going to avoid giving these men the opportunity to go back home. We've got to make this dog hunt. As we say here in Texas, he wanted to move forward. He wanted to make the conquest. Well, that certainly wasn't a very practical solution. Again, i i argue, I would argue if he did do it, and again, I think it would be a worthwhile argument to determine if he did do it. Was it stupid or foolish? I mean, the decision that goes well like that it makes makes a hero, right? I mean, a coach a coach in a Super Bowl on a fourth and one goes for it. Well, if he makes it, it's brilliant. But if he doesn't, what was he thinking? What a moron. <laughs> now, I, I don't know anything about being a ship's captain. I certainly don't know anything about being a ship's captain in 1519. But the gap between winning and losing there, that just seems inordinately high to me. What do I know? I mean, I have never, I've never ventured to strange lands. Don't plan on it either. So there's that plans. I follow a guitar player on YouTube. Speaking of plans, he ends each video and I, I love watching the guy's videos. He ends each video saying no plan B, or he has a graphic to that effect. Usually he says it and there's a graphic. And that's another common phrase that means the same thing as burn the boats, a plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. But, you know, no, no plan B, burn the boats. No plan B just sounds less foolish to me. I know they're synonyms basically, but I also happen to know that success is often not found in plan B. But it wasn't found in plan A either. No, it's found in plan M or Q or V or Z. In 2009, a book was written illustrating the truth of such things. It was entitled getting to plan B breaking through to a better business model by John Mullins and Randy Commissar. I'll link that up too. getting to plan B. The book recounts a lot of businesses who did not find success. Not only did they not find big success, they didn't find any success in plan. A. however, some other plans emerged, and some other plans got more fully developed after plan A. Because here we are in this venture capital-driven era of entrepreneurship, and the term pivot, at some point, the term pivot entered our consciousness. Tons of extremely successful companies have pivoted into something that they never intended to be. It wasn't the initial pitch they made to the venture capitalists. They chased success with plan a because well, everybody's backing plan a and they're backing the people that came up with plan a, okay, problem. Plan a ain't going to work. We've blown through millions of dollars and now we've got to consider some other change. Why? Well, because if we don't, we're going to die and everybody's already lost their money anyway, unless we can do something about this. So sometimes. People figure something else out. And guess what? Plan M works like a champ. In fact, Plan M, way more successful than we ever projected Plan A would be. Well, here's the real challenge. How can we know when to give up on Plan A? Well, I don't know of any hard, fast rules. It's personal. It's individual. This is one of those areas where we have to figure it out. We have got to find our way forward. Nobody can talk for you. Nobody could learn to talk for you. Nobody could learn to walk for you. You had to do these things on your own. yeah, mom and dad were there to help. Family was there to help. Friends, loved ones were there to help, but we had to do the walking. We had to do the talking. Otherwise, we're not going to talk. We're not going to walk. The guitar maker, Randall Wynn Fulmer, he's on to something with this quote, though. A plan that so boxes you in, there's no escape. It's an important idea. I think it's an important idea because it means if we're going to make progress, we have to have a starting point. And we have to have a starting point that we are willing to stick with for some period of time in order to give success even a a slightest chance. It means that we make, we create, we devise a plan knowing this is going to take some time. And this is where it gets really personal guy works in construction. He's newly married, Mm, but he plays music. He writes songs when he's not swinging a hammer. He loves it. He's obsessed by it. his wife, his friends, his family. They think he's pretty good. Okay. Well, he's smart enough to know he's not sure they really count and he's right, but not entirely because the encouragement is valuable and there are other people who noticed his talent. He dreams about moving to Nashville, see if this music thing's got anything to it, see if there's any remote chance that he could be paid to play music. And with his wife's encouragement, they devise a plan. What's the plan? The plan is to move to Nashville, Tennessee. Now, the plan is a pretty nice box, right, to Randall's point. They agree they're going to take the money that they have saved. They're going to go to Nashville where he already has a construction job lined up that will afford them to support themselves. She, too, has a job lined up. In fact, she has a job lined up that will pay enough to allow him to take a job working fewer hours so combined they can make a living. Five years. There's the plan we're going to give ourselves five years to see if we can make music for a living off to Nashville. They go, Oh, I don't know. Time will tell if he can make it within five years. Will he achieve any traction during those five years? I mean, what if, what if, what if he, he gets to year four, what if by the time he's entering year five, he's feeling close. And what if there's any evidence at all that he's gaining some traction going to give himself another year don't know that's for him to figure out along with his wife the reality for him the reality for randall the guitar maker is that there always is an escape the sentiment that i believe randall is expressing a plan that so boxes you in there's no escape is not the fact that Literally, there is no escape, kind of like optimism, being blind. It's not literally blind. But I think the sentiment is don't give yourself an easy out. Randall and the others are pursuing a dream, a dream that they absolutely know they can quit at any time. But they don't want it to be a dream that they're going to quit every time they encounter something that's uncomfortable because every dream has attached with it things that are uncomfortable, something you'd rather not do. Everybody, everybody has to endure doing things that we'd rather not do. And so we need to be boxed in enough so that we can push through those times. For Randall in his guitar making, watch the documentary. It's sanding. That's right. You heard me sanding, sanding this wood. He hates sanding. He hates these phone books. Steve Martin, the jerk Randall hates sanding. He hates sanding, but guess what guitar making? Guess what? High quality custom guitar making requires a whole lot of. Yeah, you guessed it sanding. So if Randall wants to be successful at making guitars, he's going to have to push through hours and hours and hours and days and days and days of sanding the Olympic games. They're getting close. They were postponed last year due to the pandemic. Every single athlete. I can say this. Believing that this is true. Every single athlete competing in the games, regardless of the country that they represent, regardless of the sport that they are participating in, they endure things. They hate. They endure things. They absolutely abhor in order to get to the things that they most love. Now, maybe it's different for some, but I dare say they all enjoy the competition more than the training. And then there's some training that I know they hate versus other training that they may rather enjoy. They do what they do because overall, big picture, all of it combined, they love it. They love it. It doesn't mean that they love every minute detail of the pursuit. That's unreasonable. It's just not how things work. I know people who travel a lot. Well, the pandemic curbed it last year, but people who travel a lot will tell you that they are paid. They're really not paid for what they do so much as they are paid for the inconvenience of doing whatever it is they do. Mainly the inconvenience of being away from home for traveling speakers who appear on stage for an hour and get a five figure number. They are not paid because well, that hour man alive. I mean, their insights, they are just so remarkably invaluable. I've seen a ton of public speakers live and in video and some are great and some are terrific, but I don't know. I've, No, I I haven't seen, and some of these people get six figures. Okay, well, I I haven't heard a six-figure speech. Sorry, I got friends that do this. I mean, I I just haven't. They're paid because of what they have to give up. They have to give up an entire day or two. They got to travel to and fro, a lot of hassle, a lot of hours put in to get on stage for 45 minutes or one hour. But I know some people, they love the travel. They love the travel. They also love the stage time. Well, that's a real win when there's basically nothing you really hate, even if there are things that you love more. Most everybody I know, they have some certain things that they know they just have to do and they have to do those things in order to do the, f- the thing that they most love to do. And some, they hate doing those things, but they love what they love so much. They're willing to do what they hate. Like Randall, he hates sanding. You know what he loves? He loves it when he's finished a guitar and he plugs it into an amp and then he tests it by playing it. Yeah. He, he's a player too. And in that moment that he's plugged it in and he turns the volume knob up and he starts playing, you know what? The sanding doesn't matter. He's looking at this guitar. He's, he's, he's up and down the neck of this guitar, and he's like, he's pretty pleased that he sanded it all those hours. It made a difference. He's reminded of how great this thing feels and how pleased he's certain his customer is going to feel. Because he put in all those hours sanding. Don't make a mistake from which you can't or may not be able to recover. Not all mistakes result in equal consequences. Some choices and some decisions, they've got a higher risk. And that's why the failure of plan A may not be so bad. If it helps us form some successful plan B or C, is it giving yourself an escape? Not really. Not really, because... We don't embark on a high-speed chase of plan A thinking, well, this will never work. (laughs) I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. And nobody goes into a plan A thinking, at any moment, I need to hit the eject button. But here's what we do think, if we're wise. If a time comes that demands that we make a different decision, if a time comes showing us that we need to make an adjustment, if we get new intel, if we get new evidence that shows us this isn't working, but that is okay. Well then we have to be open and courageous enough to make an improved, a better decision. So what's holding you back right now, today, this very moment, what is holding you back? But first let's think about what we're pursuing because this is a worthwhile conversation before we wrap this all up. Happiness is the common answer. What do you want? Well, I want, to, I want to be happy. Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, is notorious for saying, you know, you want to be happy, don't you want to be happy? I would say that's the number one answer. Question, what is happiness? The answers that I have heard most include being able to do what I want when I want. I've also heard the freedom to control my schedule. Okay. It seems to me. The sentiment, that sentiment is at the heart of how we mostly view happiness. I want to be able to do what I want when I want. I want the freedom to control my own schedule. Many people equate happiness, freedom. Well, being the curious type that I am, it makes me wonder, okay, then who on earth is happy? Who has that? Now, You think of the most powerful people on the planet. Maybe you think about the richest people on the planet. You think about the most successful people on the planet. Maybe you think about country rulers, like the president of the United States, arguably labeled the most powerful person on the planet. Well, he doesn't have the ability to do what he wants when he wants. He certainly doesn't have the freedom to control his own schedule. In fact, none of these people, none of these people have this ingredient. None of these people have this 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 kind of happiness that people seem to be in pursuit of. Rather, they are likely enduring much greater impositions than they did when they were unsuccessful. So is happiness really the ideal outcome? Think back over your life. Think about your moments of sorrow, your moments of sadness. Think about the times that you've suffered. Yeah, keep thinking. Now think about the times of relief, times when the news was good, time when the worm turned. Now, if you were to plot those events and those emotions in your life, if you were to plot those on on graph paper, I'm pretty sure yours are going to look like mine and we're all going to look pretty much the same. It's going to look like a roller coaster. It's not going to look like some straight line with an upward trajectory like a rocket. Delusion causes us to think, you know what? There are people on the planet who aren't suffering. Well, maybe not right now, but they have and they will. Well, there, there are people surely that haven't experienced the sorrows that I've experienced. Yeah, nah, not so much. We all have. And delusion causes us to think that happiness is the pinnacle of achievement. problem is nobody knows how to capture it. Nobody knows how to make happiness a long-term, sustainable experience. And for a simple reason. It is not possible. Pursuing an impossibility. It's not an impractical goal. It's an impossible goal. So let me end by challenging us to consider other pursuits. Things like peace, contentment, purpose, Value, you know, it's like sanding for Randall. In that moment when he's sanding, and he says in the documentary, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, there are day he can do four days straight of nothing but sanding. <laughs> he's not happy, but you know what he is? He's contented and he's at peace because there is a purpose. This sanding serves a purpose. And that matters more to him than the arduous act of sanding. Because the results of the sanding is a value that is really difficult to measure because guitarists appreciate the feel and the quality of a properly sanded instrument. Randall himself appreciates the outcome. It's an arduous chore, and he hates it in the moment. It's not about happiness. It's not about doing what you want when you want. No, it's about doing what's necessary. Because the pursuit, the pursuit's bigger than you. And because in the end, it's not about you. For Randall, it's not about him. It's about the person who's buying this instrument for thousands of dollars, and they're going to be holding this thing and playing this thing. And they very well may own this thing for the rest of their lives. Breakthrough. That's what most of us need. Some of us even want it. Some of us even crave a breakthrough, and we can get it. You know how? Likely by being humble, by being vulnerable, by being open. By, instead of tightening our grip, kind of loosening our grip. Instead of attempting to control everything in our lives, controlling those things that we know we can and must and letting the rest go turn loose hit pause now sprint sprint for all you've got then catch your breath now sprint some more winded that's okay walk jog a little bit let your heart rate catch up let your lungs relax now take off zigzagging like you're dodging bullets pick a spot way up ahead And now run a straight line toward that. Listen, stop and heave if you have to. Just don't quit. I'm real fond of the phrase, I may quit, but not today. Decide, do, rest, recover, and go again. Think, ponder, adjust, go some more. Recover again and persist. Figure it out. Because that's the point. Abraham Lincoln said, I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. Yeah, consider this the epilogue. All of us are going through... Some things, some of us, we're enduring some things that nobody truly knows, nobody understands. And today I'm thinking of some folks who are enduring the suffering of death in a family. I'm thinking about other people that I know are going through some family trauma, some due to betrayals, some abandonment. I'm thinking of some people that are in the middle of a career or a financial crisis and they're just struggling to find some path forward, any path forward. I think of the suffering and the struggling that I know about, and then I quickly ponder all the suffering that might be going on among the people that I know personally. Suffering that I may know nothing of. Not that I should know. Not that I need to know. Because some things are confidential and private. And even if I did know, I'm not the right person for every service. I'm not the right person for every person. I know my lane I consciously try to stay in it. But like you, I know my own struggles. My wife knows most of them too. Not all, but most. Some are unknown by anybody else. And don't we all operate that way? Then proceed to understand that you don't know all the sorrow and the suffering of others. So step carefully. Be gracious. Practice empathy display compassion because it may help you figure out your own stuff better and it sure can hurt my name is Randy Kentrell the website is leaningtowardwisdom.com greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio